This podcast is brought to you by DIA, the trusted global neutral forum for healthcare product development professionals. DIA, driving insights to action. In the context of the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact on the global public health, drug safety and post-market pharmacovigilance have captured the attention of professionals as well as the general public. I am Alberto Grignolo, Editor-in-Chief of DIA Global Forum. Dr. Gerald Alpan is the Director of the Office of Surveillance and Epidemiology, OSE, formerly known as the Office of Drug Safety, for the FDA Center for Drug Evaluation and Research, where he oversees adverse event surveillance and analysis, pharmacoepidemiology, risk management, and medication error prevention. Thank you very much for joining us today, Gerald, and welcome. Thank you. First question, we see many industry initiatives to automate pharmacovigilance processes with artificial intelligence and related technology. We see terms like touchless case processing and non-human process reports. So the question is, does FDA have any reservations in accepting machine-generated pharmacovigilance reports? So thank you, Alberto, for that question. There's great interest in the application of artificial intelligence or AI to pharmacovigilance. That's both in industry and at FDA. And we at FDA are exploring the use of AI broadly for pharmacovigilance. So at FDA, we define pharmacovigilance as, quote, all scientific and data gathering activities related to the detection, assessment, and understanding of adverse events, end quote. This is a broad definition and includes the use of a wide range of scientific inquiry, such as individual case safety reports, pharmacoepidemiologic studies, registries, clinical pharmacology studies, and other approaches. And there are good reasons to explore the use of artificial intelligence in pharmacovigilance. There are an increasing number of sources of drug safety information, and efficient screening processing or evaluation of them would benefit from accurate automated methods. We're exploring the use of AI in many of these areas, and I'd like to touch upon a few of them. First, there's the potential application of AI to the processing of case reports. While most people think of case processing as an activity that involves only industry, it's also important for FDA. We receive around 100,000 adverse event reports each year directly from the public, and each needs to be processed. And so an example of an aspect of case processing that could be automated would be the identification of a person's age from a free text narrative when the reporter has not put the age in the field specific for age. Second, there's the potential application of AI for assessing causality in a case report. That is answering the question, did the drug cause or contribute to the adverse event? The assessment of causality is very challenging And that's even for an experienced drug safety expert. You can imagine that developing AI algorithms or even to contribute to causality assessments with an expert human involved will be very challenging. While we've not set thresholds for operating characteristics of AI for pharmacovigilance, such as sensitivity or positive predictive value, our work to date in this area has shown that current algorithms do not have sufficient positive predictive value and that further methods development is needed. So because AI for case processing and evaluation will not likely achieve performance levels required for complete automation in the near future, we believe AI 
right now is best used to support rather than supplant human experts. This approach is sometimes referred to as augmented intelligence and requires a quote-unquote human in the loop. Including humans in the loop will likely not only be necessary, but actually desirable for the foreseeable future. Third, we're exploring the use of AI in real-world data as part of the Sentinel Initiative. Our Sentinel Initiative now has a dedicated innovation center. Amongst its many projects, it's exploring the use of AI, including techniques such as natural language processing to extract relevant data from electronic health records. The idea here is that one could identify patients with certain characteristics using AI and other automated techniques, the so-called computable phenotype. So there's lots going on here, but it's mainly still in the development stage. Thank you. You mentioned that AI can supplement uh, human activities in pharmacovigilance, but even supplementation, correct me if I'm wrong, needs to have a degree of validation to inspire confidence in the tool before it can be used on a consistent basis. Fair enough? Absolutely, yes. Uh, Supplementation uh, with AI will require validated AI tools. We have to know how these tools work if they're going to supplement our work. Are you willing to give a horizon of when this supplementation might actually be implemented, when this validation, is it, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, our lifetime? I'm not an informaticist, and so I'm really hesitant to uh, go out on that limb. Okay, next question. The uh, Office of Surveillance and Epidemiology 2020 Annual Report indicated that machine learning and artificial intelligence methods are being applied to the Sentinel database to identify health outcomes of interest, and that your office has refined an algorithm that identifies anaphylaxis incidents from EHR data. I wonder if I could ask you to explain some of these techniques and this algorithm, and then how their application in post-market surveillance helps keep patients safe. Thank you for that question. So the Sentinel system includes the Active Post-Market Risk Identification and Analysis, or ARIA system, that has two components. The first is a suite of pre-programmed, parametrizable, and reusable analytic tools to enable rapid analysis of safety questions, including the use of sophisticated pharmacoepidemiologic methods. And the second is data from the Sentinel Common Data Model, which consists primarily of quality check electronic healthcare claims data. And an analysis of the first several years of RE assessments concluded that ARIA is able to evaluate about 50% of the post-market drug safety questions for which CEDAR needed additional information. And the largest single reason for not being able to study a drug safety issue in Sentinel ARIA is the inability to identify the health outcome of interest, or HOI, because many health outcomes of interest require detailed data elements that are not available in the Sentinel Common Data Model or because the algorithm used to create the computable phenotype does not have adequate performance. So to address this limitation in the ARIA system, we at FDA began investigating artificial intelligence approaches, such as natural language processing and machine learning, to improve HOI identification. Specifically, we asked whether incorporating key clinical features extracted from free text fields in electronic health records using natural language processing combined with claims data using machine learning would lead to better algorithms. So to evaluate the first question, we selected anaphylaxis as a serious allergic reaction 
that occurs rarely after the use of individual drugs, but is a known adverse reaction across many drug classes. It's also a complicated diagnosis to make with certainty from electronic health record data because the diagnostic criteria require multi-organ system involvement, early treatment often occurs before full expression of a reaction, and diagnosis involves interpreting clinical information that is typically found in the narrative of the medical record. So the results of this Sentinel project indicate that using natural language processing and machine learning, it is possible to develop an improved algorithm to identify anaphylaxis in EHRs. Application of this algorithm then could lead to faster and more complete identification of anaphylaxis cases when studying this potential risk in EHR data. But even more importantly, the success of this effort is helping Sentinel develop a framework to use natural language processing and machine learning techniques to improve health outcomes of interest identification algorithms for many complex clinical conditions, potentially expanding the capabilities of Sentinel for efficiently evaluating uh, drug safety questions. So it seems that you've seen some success with this approach. If so, uh, do you have in mind other adverse events that you might want to track using a similar methodology to maybe expand the scope of this pilot, if I may call it that? That's a good question. And our team's looking at the results of these and figuring out what the next step is here. It's a step-by-step process. And so we're figuring out what the next steps are with this project. Thank you. Next question, I want to bring in a sister regulatory agency, the Japanese PMDA, and specifically the chief executive of the PMDA recently shared in an article in DIA Global Forum, his summary of PMDA's use of RWD and RWE for making regulatory decisions, including in pharmacovigilance. So bringing it back to FDA, has FDA found opportunities for innovative use of RWD and WE in pharmacovigilance? We've long used real-world data and real-world evidence in post-market drug safety, long before the phrase RWD, RWE became widely used. In fact, for decades, we at FDA have partnered with outside organizations to use administrative claims data that link medical diagnoses with prescription drug dispensing to study the adverse effects of medicines. We've also used drug utilization data for decades to understand drug utilization patterns. And so these efforts have made substantial contributions to our post-market drug safety efforts. In 2008, we launched the Sentinel Initiative in response to a mandate from the Food and Drug Administration Amendments Act of 2007, also known as FDAM. And the Sentinel system is based on real-world data, largely in the form of administrative claims data from health insurers, but it also has data from electronic health records, as I just explained in the anaphylaxis example. The system is structured as a distributed data network in which each data holder maintains physical and logical control over its data. Each data holder, we actually call them data partners, copies and transforms its data into the format of the Sentinel Common Data Model, a set of reusable parameterizable programs based on the Sentinel Common Data Model has been developed to answer the most common drug safety issues that FDA faces. And while most analyses to date have been based on administrative claims data, we're actively working to make more use of the additional information contained in electronic health records. And I would add that this is probably the biggest focus of our innovation right now is on making more use of the data contained in electronic health records. 
At FDA, we've addressed dozens of drug safety issues using Sentinel, and we've presented analyses from Sentinel at several advisory committees. The Sentinel Initiative website has lots of um, information on specific analyses that we've performed. So our innovation really in post-market drug safety now is very much focused on the electronic health records in Sentinel, but also on some of the things I spoke about earlier in looking at adverse event reports. The simple answer to the question is yes, we use real-world data. Understood. Moving on to the importance of collaborations between industry and regulators for the common good for the public health, I'd like to ask you, can regulators and industry work together in novel ways to ensure that pharmacovigilance activities performed by industry as regulatory obligations indeed result in tangible public health benefits? What innovative collaborations might be on the horizon? If I can ask you to look at your crystal ball. My crystal ball, yeah. So we know that that many firms are interested in using innovative approaches to pharmacovigilance. And I, I think as a first step, we're interested in hearing what they've learned. We know that there are a lot of talented people out there in industry. And I think we'd really like to hear what they've tried, what they've learned. I think we've heard some of these things at BIA meetings. I'm not aware of any particular collaborations on the horizon right now. I think as these fields develop and as the methodology improves, I think there will be momentum for collaborations, as we've seen you know, in other areas. I think we all want this to move forward. I think as a first step, it's what I said. I think we're interested in hearing what companies have done and what they've learned. And finally, Gerald, we have to touch on the pandemic. We cannot avoid that. So let me ask you in that context, what is FDA thinking about? What are your thoughts about monitoring the safety of drugs that are used for COVID-19? Where do we stand today? So since the beginning of the pandemic, we've had a robust drug safety monitoring program placed that used multiple data sources. The emergency use authorizations or EUAs for drugs to treat or prevent uh, COVID-19 have specific conditions for both the EUA holder and the treating clinician to report adverse events. And we provide specific instructions on how to complete the MedWatch form so that we could easily find in FAIRS adverse event reports submitted to FDA under an EUA. And I'm sure you're familiar with our FAIRS public dashboard. We've also developed a separate FAIRS public dashboard that identifies adverse event reports submitted under an EUA. We also set up internally special text searches in FAIRS to identify other adverse event reports related to treatment of COVID-19. Now, the Sentinel system's also been an integral part of our approach to studying COVID-19. We've used Sentinel to characterize the natural history of COVID-19 and to understand patterns of medication usage. A few months ago, we co-authored with our Sentinel partners an article published in Pharmacopoeiology and Drug Safety that describes more fully how FDA has been using Sentinel for COVID-19. We've also used data from the National Poison Data System, which aggregates data from poison control centers across the United States to identify safety signals related to products used for COVID-19, such as hand sanitizers. Finally, we've used data from multiple sources to understand the changing patterns of drug utilization over the course of the pandemic. For example, we identified a large increase in the usage of injectable dexamethasone following the, the publication of results from the recovery trial 
in uh, June 2020, which showed an increase in 28-day survival amongst hospitalized patients with COVID-19 who required either invasive mechanical ventilation or oxygen alone. So like other approaches to drug safety, our approach to COVID has been to look at multiple data sources and put together the evidence based on all those data sources. It sounds like the framework and the tools that were necessary to address the pandemic from a safety point of view were very much in place when the pandemic started. Is that correct? That's right. I mean, we had done some prior work in in Sentinel that allowed us to monitor the pandemic. We have extensive experience with fares and how to research it. So yes, we had a lot of the basic tools in place. I think if you read our article on pharmacoepidemiology and drug safety, you'll see that we had to use some innovative methods to describe, for example, how many patients were on supplemental oxygen. That wasn't fully available from the standard coded data. So Sentinel experts had to go in and look at nursing notes and were able to get a more complete picture there. We also have you know, prior experience with the National Poison Data System, and we clearly use that as well. So yes, we had a lot of experience, but we also did some innovation along the way. Are there any areas where you would have wanted to be able to monitor certain aspects of safety and could not because of the lack of, of tools or the tools not being deployed appropriately or things that left you less than completely satisfied that you were really getting into the details of monitoring drug safety related to the pandemic? Yeah, I think one of the challenges with currently available data is the lack of linkages between someone who gets a treatment in one place and has an outcome or a follow-up in another place. So a lot of the monoclonal antibodies, for example, depending on which state you were in, were given in certain places, and those weren't necessarily linked to other uh, care patients had. Also, I think a general challenge in pharmacoepidemiology is the linkage of what happens in the outpatient to what happens in the inpatient. A lot of what happens in the outpatient is either in claims or in outpatient EHR systems. What happens in inpatient would also be in claims but and in EHR systems, but would be likely in, or often, I should say, in different EHR systems. It's all these linkages that we'd really like to see improved. In other words, a imperfect, if you will, interoperability between EHR systems. Is that another way perhaps to describe what I think I've heard? And with claim systems. And claim system. A, a lot mm-hmm. of our, what, what's happening at our Sentinel Innovation Center that we put in place two years ago is in fact to see how we can improve the use of these kinds of data. Finally, is there any reason to be concerned that perhaps overwhelmed hospital systems, uh, medical centers, and ICUs underreported safety signals because they just couldn't get to it. Nurses and doctors are just overwhelmed, couldn't get to it. Is there any reason to be concerned about that? We've known for a long, long time that adverse events are underreported. And we also know that practitioners are very busy and COVID-19 made them busier. But, you know, we, we still have data that we can work on and act on. So um, it, it's keeping us busy. Very good. Well, those are all the questions I have today. Gerald, thank you very much for your time and for your insights. Much appreciated. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to Alberto. For DIA Global Forum, I am Alberto Grignol. 
more about this topic, visit us online at diaglobal.org.